Hello. Hi, everyone. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Catalina? Can you check if the link works for you guys? Thank you. Four oh one unauthorized. Uh okay. I'll have to tell uh yeah, I asked Okay. Is there uh, a way to adjust the permissions maybe on your side to make it public? It's not mine. I see. Um, okay. Yeah, but I'll add the paper for now. And then we'll have to do it live. Hi, Danny. How's things? Hi, Jamie. Good to see you. Pleased to be here. How are you doing today? I'm quite well, thank you, actually. Um, I was reading through some of the paper, trying to understand what I could, and educating myself on biology a lot. <laughs> but it's fun, very fun. Any any highlights you want to share? Um, um, do you mean about biology in general or the paper specifically? Well, you said you were learning a lot. Do you want to share something oh. you learned? Oh, right. Like, okay, well, I didn't actually know that we have around 200 cells, or 200 types of cells in our bodies. I didn't know that one. Very cool. Did I... Uh... Yeah. Well, what else? Um, I was actually, I didn't actually, was not totally sure what a zygote was until I had to look it up. Hi, Alejandro. Um, oh. How are you? Uh, could you please change the settings of the Google Drive link? I just sent you an email, but um, because we cannot access it, it needs to be in order for it to work that everyone can view it with the link uh if you click uh, on share okay. and then thank you so much uh we we yeah. wait a couple of minutes to give people time to arrive and then and then we can start so no stress <laughs> sure just we'll take one minute thank you Hello, Doctor. My name's Jamie. Thank you so much for coming. Mm. Am I coming through okay?
Dr. Sh <clears throat> Dr. Shah, welcome. Good to see you. Hold on. Hi, Denise. Hi, everyone. Hello. How are you today? Welcome. Welcome, Alejandro. Thank you. Alejandro, just so I'm, I'm getting it right, is your uh, surname, is it Castellón or Castellón? Ah, yeah, it's, uh, it's Alejandro Aguilera Castrejón. Castrejón, <laughs> okay, Castrejón. Good, I wanted to make sure I got the pronunciation right, because, uh, you know, I'm trying to learn Spanish myself, so I'm practicing with the sound. It's uh, uh, a... <laughs> It's actually much easier for myself being Scottish because we say loch. <laughs> that comes in very handy. Looking at some of your paper as well is very, very interesting. Looking forward to this talk. Okay, let me switch then to the to the link and then we can start. Oh, you Uh, oh, you, you, oh, you sent me the problem. Okay. Uh, one more minute. In the meantime, I can introduce you and, um, and then usually Jamie asks, um, a few questions, um, you know, like, uh, a few general questions and then we start the presentation. So in the meantime, I'll download the presentation. Um, right. Yeah. Thank you very everyone for coming to our science society, uh, meeting today. Um, I'm very honored, um, to have here our guest speaker with this amazing research. Um, so, uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He did his, um, uh, masters in life sciences at the Weizmann Institute um, and his bachelor thesis he, uh, he did at the Instituto de Physiologia um, Cellular um, in 2016 and um, his he also did his uh, PhD in life sciences at the Weizmann Institute um, of Science and um, he is in the Jacobs Hannas lab uh, for pluripotent stem cell research and epigenetic reprogramming. And uh, yeah, he uh, recently published this really exciting study. And um, yeah, we are very um, happy to having you here. And um, yeah, please, uh, Jamie or Denise, go ahead with uh, more general question. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can I just ask, um, would you prefer Alejandro or Castajon? Dr. Castajon? Do you have a preference? Alejandro is fine. Yeah. Thank you very much, Alejandro. Um, I really like this part because I get to know, well, we all get to know a little bit more about you. Um, I was curious, um, has biology always been your main passion? Like, or did you sort of get here from some kind of circuitous route? 
Um, so actually, I always liked uh, biology. I was actually first interested in kind of uh, working with uh, animals, you know, in the jungle of Mexico. But then I discovered that I like developmental biology and I switched uh, to this field. But I, I always actually, I was always interested in biology. And what parts of the jungle did you like the most when you were there? In the south of Mexico, there is a very big uh, jungle, and I really like. I still like to go hiking or something, but I discovered that I don't really like to work with the animals. So I prefer to work <laughs> with the embryos. <laughs> ah, okay. So you just want to know what they're made of, yeah? Yeah. And uh, was this uh, curiosity? Was it what drove you to this particular branch of study here? So, I I was uh, in Mexico. I was interested in regenerative, regenerative medicine. So when I uh, was looking for a lab to do the master, um, I was actually trying to work with the cellular reprogramming. Uh, you know, like to take somatic cells and reprogram into pluripotent. And uh, my ad advisor here is actually very famous for that. So I actually came here thinking about working on that, but then he offered me to work in this project of uh, trying to grow the embryos ex utero, and I discovered that I like it a lot, and then decided also to stay for PhD. That's interesting. So he was a big influence on what brought you to where you are now? Yes, yes, for sure. He must have seen that your talents were uh, were quite well suited to this particular thing. Then, did you were you first um, reluctant to take this on, or from the very get go, were you thinking, "Wow, actually, this sounds incredibly interesting"? Mm, so first, I was working with uh, embryonic stem cells for like four months, but then I actually switched here from it to work in this project and then I decided to switch. I, immediately I thought it was very interesting and I re really like it a lot. I st still now after five years I still like it. Yeah. Wait, did you feel your, oh, oh, sorry, yeah. just, oh, I was going to ask just one more. Eh? I was just going to yeah. say, do you still feel you're learning the whole time when you're doing and when you're working in this particular field? Because I can see you're achieving a lot in it. But do you still feel you're all the time learning? Uh, yeah, I think every every time because it's still like we advance a lot, but let's say it's not finished, right? Like mm. we still have a long way to go if we would like at some point to see a, a living mouse come, coming without a, <laughs> alive yeah, without amazing. a mother. So it, it's all the time and you learn also about kind of what the embryos need on metabolics or also the signaling or the growth of the embryos. So it's a lot of, or even physics, mechanics, of how the cells interact. So it's always something new to learn. Fascinating. Thank you very much. Okay, take it away, Katarina. Yeah, uh, I think the PowerPoint is working now. So uh, yeah, we can, we can start. Thank you. Okay, great. Uh, I will start. Thank you for the nice introduction. Uh, just wait uh, one second.
to I need to open my presentation. Yeah, that's it. So, so my name is Alejandro, as you know, and I'm doing now my PhD in the lab of Jacob Hanna, the Weizmann Institute of Science. And it's, I'm really happy to have the chance to talk to you today about my project, trying to create a system to grow mammalian embryos outside of the uterus. Um, so I work uh, with the mouse and uh, just uh, in general, the mouse, mouse development lasts for 19 days in contrast to the human, which is nine months. In mouse, it's very short. And if you, if you look at the, the slide number two, so you will see a, a kind of a scheme of the mouse embryo, how, how they look at the different days. And in general, Mouse development is divided into pre-implantation and post-implantation development. And the implantation in the mouse happens in the day four. Uh, with the, In this day, the, the mouse embryo that looks like a sphere, that, that is called the blastocyst, implants into the, into the maternal uterus. And then it undergoes a change in morphology and it uh, generates something that is called the egg cylinder embryo in day five. Um, and this this uh, cylinder embryo has only basically three cell types, but these cell types are still not differentiated. So only in the day six, when the, the process of gastrulation will start, in which basically the, the embryo will go from cells to an embryo, some like uh, the establishment of the different axes, where the head will be, what will be the tail, what will be the left, right, what would be the ventral part, the dorsal? So this starts the process of gastrulation. And in the case of the mouse, the day uh, six is considered early gastrulation and the day seven, late gastrulation. So it lasts from uh, seven, day six to day eight. And from the day eight onwards, the process of, of formation of the organs uh, will start. And uh, by the day 13, most of the organs will be already established in the embryo and uh, we will and a, a period called the fetal growth will start in which basically all the organs only need to mature and you can see in the day 13.5 you can already see very well the morphology of the of the mouse and it will be born at 19 or maximum 20 days and uh, as you can see the uh, process of post-implantation actually lasts for 15 days, which means it comprises 75% of the total development of the mouse embryo. And still, we know a lot more about the pre-implantation period than about the post-implantation. And this is because in the post-implantation, everything happens inside the maternal uterus. So, and this, of course, uh, makes it inaccessible to observe. You ca we cannot see how the embryo grows inside the maternal womb. Also, we cannot do experiments, and uh, it's also not possible to take one embryo and then uh, do some experiment and then pull it back into the mother. This is uh, impossible to do. Uh, so a solution for this will be to create a system to grow mouse embryos uh, in, in a petri dish or in outside of the uterus. And uh, here, if you go to the next slide, uh, slide number three, uh, you will see uh, images of the uh, real mouse embryos, how they look at different days, from day zero to day 11. And in the case of the culture of these embryos, actually the 
culture of pre-implantation embryos from day zero to three uh, is already very well established, as well as the culture of uh, what is called in vitro implantation. Uh, so you can see uh, from day zero to day four is the pre-implantation. And you, we can also model in vitro implantation from day four to day six. And this already established for mouse, uh, for monkey, and even for human embryos. However, when we go to post-implantation stages, the it has been much more challenging to establish such cultures. And uh, actually, the most commonly used method is called in rotating boros culture, and it was established almost 50 years ago by uh, Dennis New at Cambridge University. And however, these methods, uh, first of all, were not changed in 50 years. They are also short-term since Maximum, you can keep the embryos for 36 hours uh, alive. There are also inefficiencies since many of the embryos that you take uh, will be abnormal. And because of these reasons, uh, they were not widely adopted by the, by the community, by the developmental biologists. Uh, but still, uh, these methods actually are very important because they allowed us to, to basically do research and identify many milestones in in mammalian development. Uh, for example, uh, people identified in 1994 uh, some organizer of the mouse embryo called the node. And also people were able to create uh, fate maps of the mouse embryo using these uh, short-term uh, cultures. Uh, but we wanted to expand it. So if you go to the next slide, slide number four, uh, you will see, uh, first of all, uh, Again, the scheme of the mouse embryo from day five to day eleven, and then we wanted to expand this uh, this culture. And the, the first the first thing that we did is to try to uh, expand it, starting from the day seven of the embryo until day eleven. And for that, basically, we use the previously established uh, royal culture incubator, and and we adapted. Uh, to this uh, incubator uh, gas regulation model that basically what it can do is allows you to control very precisely the level of oxygen and also the level of carbon dioxide, but not only that, also the pressure of the gas, which is actually one of the, we found that is one of the most critical parameters for the proper growth of the, of the embryos. And this in combination with the uh, uh, changing the levels of glucose uh, through the culture and also again, modulating the oxygen, and the use of a specific uh, culture media that has a high percentage of rat serum and human serum, allowed us to, to grow the embryo from the late gastrulation stage from day seven until day 11, so for four days. And what is important about this culture is also that it's very efficient. Uh, about 75% of the embryo that you take in the day seven will reach the day 11. And this also works across several uh, lines of, uh, of of mice, so it's a very stable system. And uh, if you go to the next slide, uh, you will see that we perform a detailed morphological analysis of these embryos. And on the top left, you can see the in utero embryos and all the different structures that they have. And on the bottom left, you see the exuter embryos, and there are there are really, really equivalent to the utero. And on the right, you will see the some immunodetection of different proteins that are expressed in the different tissues of the embryo. 
we analyzed 11 different proteins and in this case I'm showing you only one. Uh, it's a protein that is mainly expressed in the in the neural tissues of, of the embryo and you can see that uh, the distribution of this protein is uh, basically identical in the embryos that are grown in utero and also ex utero. So if you go to the next slide, uh, you will see that, so we already established the system to grow from day seven to day 11. And then we wanted to expand it one day more, but it's backwards. So basically to start with the early embryo and day 6.5. Um, and then for that, we also tried to use the rural culture. However, uh, no matter what we tried, it didn't work for us. So then we decided to use uh, a static culture basically just put the embryo in a plate and leave it there in the incubator it's not it's not rotating all the time as in the rolling culture and we use some conditions that were previously established however we found that these conditions have a low efficiency uh, so we decided to also optimize some new conditions to grow the mouse embryo first from the day 6.5 to day 8.5 using a static plate uh, and we managed to, to find these conditions that are actually extremely robust that almost all the embryos that you take in the day 6.5 will grow properly to the day 8.5. And then if you go to the next slide, uh, I'm showing you uh, some live imaging of the, of the mouse embryo. You can see, I hope you can see the videos. Uh, these are some mouse embryos that express a, a protein uh, that is in red color called TD tomato and uh, you can see uh, basically that these embryos in a static culture we can image them for up to 58 hours and basically we can uh, we're able to see the transition of the egg cylinder basically from a, a pluripotent or uh, as egg cylinder into an embryo that already has uh, a head and a tail and if you go to the next slide then you you will see that we uh, also of course perform an analysis of the different uh, developmental markers to see that the embryos are actually developing properly also at the molecular level. Uh, however, this analysis with antibodies is uh, limited always to uh, very few markers. We we analyze as I said on eleven, uh, so it could be that there are some missing cell types that we didn't manage to to find. So because of that, we decided to perform an analysis of, of the whole transcriptome at the single cell level in the in the embryos at this stage. Uh, just to not, not, not have any bias and analyze the whole or all the genes that in the embryo. So if you if you see the distribution of different transcriptional states, um, basically every every dot that you see in the graph is a cell. And uh, you see that the the distribution of the ex utero in in plus day two, which is equivalent to 8.5 in utero, is uh, very, very similar. Meaning that the cells that you find in the in utero, you also find them ex utero. And in the profile of cell types, it uh, corresponds to the uh, what we expect to see in the embryo in the day eight. So we can, we, with this, we can show that actually these embryos actually are able to make all the cell types that are found in utero. We also find them ex utero. If you go to the next slide then, uh, 
so we already established the protocol to grow from 7 to 11 in the roller culture and also from 6 to 8 in the static plates. Uh, and just by, by transferring the embryos that come from the static plates from 6 to 8 to the roller culture, we're able to extend this uh, culture for up to five days. So from the early gastrulation, E6.5, to for, for up to five days, with efficiency close to uh, a bit higher than 50%. And you can see there in the images the morphology of the of the embryos uh, in the different days. And importantly, we can also take the embryos even one day earlier, so in the day 5.5, uh, which is basically the first day of post-implantation development. And the embryos can develop for two to six days outside of the uterus. And you can see how they basically are transformed from a cylinder that has only three cell types into an embryo with uh, many, many tissues. Uh, it has, and the efficiency is close to 20%. So now if you go to the next slide, you will see that also in these embryos, we perform a, a single cell analysis. And, and you can find that the, the overlap between the, the green dots of the exuter of co uh, embryo at day four and also in utero at day 10.5 is uh, is basically equal and the profile of cell types that you find in these embryos already correlates with the advanced organogenesis so we see already many different cell types of uh, kind of a more mature organs and because we did this single cell analysis if you go to the next slide we can also analyze uh, very precisely if if uh, for example there could be that some organ actually has more cells in the in utero or or less cells uh, uh, compared com compared to ex utero. So we wanted to see maybe they have, for example, a, say a bigger heart or less uh, less cells in the brain. So we wanted to see it with a single cell analysis, and we actually found that if we analyze the proportion of different cells of the number of cells uh, in the embryos, we see. Uh, only small difference in three of the, of the 20 different cell, uh, cell clusters that we that we found. And also if we compare if they are genes that are differentially expressed ex utero compared to in utero, we actually found that there are very, very few genes that are uh, expressed differentially and only in two clusters. You can see them in red. Uh, the Actually, one of them is the erythrocytes and the other one is the cells of the heart, the myocytes. And these actually have only two and eight up to 2,000 genes that we analyzed that are variable. And we think that this, uh, the fact that the actually the, the cell types are, that have this, this variability of the gene expression are the cells of the heart and the cells, some cells of the blood, the erythrocytes. And so we think that this is consistent with the fact that the, actually the embryos already uh, we are suffering because of insufficient oxygenation and also uh, deficiency in the nutrient supply. Because actually at this day, and the day 10.5 or 11, is when the embryos are, will become more dependent on the placenta of the mother. So in this, in this case, they don't have placenta. So mainly the, the heart and the blood are organs that kind of uh, start to, to suffer first. And we see the changes in the in the gene expression. 
so if you go to the next slide, you can see that basically in this culture, we can take an embryo from the pluripotent epiblast, basically one, one cell that will give rise to the whole body of the embryo. And it will uh, grow outside of the uterus into a fully formed embryo with a head, eyes, uh, limbs, and tail. Uh, and this, and you can see here the what is the kind of the real change in size of the embryo. You both for day six and actually the change is more dramatic for day uh, five after six day of culture. You can see that the embryo uh, really really changes. Uh, in morphology and size. And all of this happens uh, without any interaction with the mother. So the embryo is actually able to do it by itself. Uh, it's something that is called the self-organization. And if you go to the next slide, then you will see that it's not enough for us to demonstrate that we can grow the embryos properly, we also want to be able to do experiments on them. So we wanted to prove that we can do mod modifications and the embryos will still grow properly and actually we are, are able to analyze what is the result of those mod modifications. So this is a proof of principle. First, we perform a electroporation of the of the of a GFP reported plasmid at eight, day 8.5. So what we did is we took the embryo at day seven, and then the day after, we injected the plasmid in the brain and incorporated the embryo. So this uh, this uh, helped for the, the, the plasmid to enter into the cells. And then you can see how the green signal of the GFP is expressed after one, two, or three days. In a specific uh, region of the, of the brain, we wanted to do this modification. But uh, also, if you look in the in the right side of the slide, we also wanted to perform a, a gene gene editing in a more uh, widespread manner. So for that, we injected lentiviruses with a G, with a GFP plas uh, plasmid in the uh, E6.5 mouse embryo, and you can see in the immunostainings of the, of GFP that the, basically we we can see the integration of this of this. Uh, vector into most of the body of the embryo and they are able to survive properly. So this system will actually allow us to later try to do some genetic modifications in the in the mouse uh, post-implantation embryo. And if you look at the bottom of the slide, uh, we also perform in, to in total live imaging of the uh, neural tube closure from uh, day, basically, uh, day, nine and day 9 in the in the mouse embryo. So what we did here is we took the embryos at day 7.5. Day 7 we put them in the roller culture and we grow, grew them until day 9. And then at day 9, we uh, opened, the, opened the embryo and took it to the microscope. And you can see that uh, the process of the closure of the neural tube uh, in, the, in, the, in a mouse uh, transgenic embryo that expresses the uh, red protein T tomato. So we can do this imaging for up to nine nine hours, and we can see very nicely how the neural tube neural tube is closing. So now, if you go to the next slide, we also wanted to uh, to do something that is called uh, chimeras. So basically, you can inject cells uh, and see how they integrate into an embryo. 
and actually this generation of chimeras is the golden standard uh, functional assessment of the pluripotency of cells that we have in culture. And this is possible because uh, we can inject cells into the pre-implantation embryo and then put this pre-implantation embryo back into the mother and it will grow, it will grow and we can analyze it uh, how, how the cell, if the cells were able to integrate into the embryo. Uh, and this is, uh, if you look in the Um, I, I cannot hear you anymore, Alejandro. I think you muted by accident. Ah, sorry, <laughs> no sorry, worries. sorry. Uh, sorry, so I will go back. So, as, uh, as I was saying, we also decided to do these uh, chimeric embryos by injecting pluripotent cells into the embryo. And uh, this is done... Basically, in as you can see in the left, we can inject uh, naive embryonic stem cells that re uh, resemble the pre-implantation embryo, and then put them back into the into the put the embryos back into the mother, and they will grow. And then we can analyze how the cells integrated into the embryo. Uh, however, this was not possible for the post-implantation embryos because we cannot put back into the mother a post-implanted embryo. So the only way to do it is with a culture that, or, uh, that allows you to grow the, the embryo exutero. So actually now we have a system in which we can analyze the pluripotency of the post-implantation embryo. And this is basically what we did. We took cells uh, culture in vitro and we took also cells directly from other embryos and injected, injected them in different uh, positions in the embryos and uh, perform this exuterine culture. And after we analyze if these cells were able to integrate into the body of the embryo, and we can see that in the, if you look at the immune stainings on the left side, uh, that after, after the one, if we inject these cells that express GFP, as you can see in green, after one day, uh, there is a nice uh, integration of the cells into the body of the embryo. However, at day two, uh, we already see very few cells. And you can see in the graphic that after three or four days, we see very few of these cells integrated into the body of the embryo. And this actually is, it contrasted very well with the uh, cells that we took directly from the E7.5 epiblast. After one day, you can see that in this case, the cells in red uh, of the TD tomato are very well integrated into the, into the body of the embryo. And even after day, after four days, uh, we found even embryos with up to 10,000 cells that are, are integrated into the body. Uh, so basically, this just shows that the contribution of the cells that we took from in vitro uh, is lower compared to the cells that we took directly from embryos. So maybe uh, there is a need to find alternative conditions to grow the, the prepotent cells in vitro. Uh, in order to in order to make them uh, to be integrated uh, uh, well in the body of the of the embryos, so basically this is one conclusion that we got from this, and this in the cases made with mouse cells into a mouse embryo, but if you go to the next slide, we can do it also injecting human cells into the mouse embryo, and this is because 
just trying to analyze what it will be the behavior of the human cells inside an embryo that is alive. So for to do that, we took human embryonic stem cells and differentiated them into microglia progenitors. You know, this uh, basically the immune cells of the nervous system. And we injected them into the embryo at 7.5. And then we analyzed them at between day nine to day 11. And you can see on the on the on the right, uh, in the top right, the image that how this this is of course express GFP and how the embryos look in the day zero after the injection. And if you look the and the moon staining uh, below, you can see that after three or four days we saw a nice integration of these GFP green cells, and also they proliferated and then migrated to the brain. May, we found them mainly in the brain of the of these mouse embryos and we perform of course the staining for GFP to see to find find the cells but also for a protein called NUMA that is actually specifically found in human cells uh, just to confirm that it, these cells actually come from the human polypotent stem cells uh, so this show that we actually can inject human cells and try to analyze uh, what will be the the, the behavior of, of these cells into a into a real embryo and uh, uh, basically to conclude if you go to the to the next slide uh, we create we created this system that allows you to grow the embryos in a first of all in a continuous manner and also is very robust for up to six days outside of the uterus and not only that, this culture also allows you to perform several manipulations like genetic modification and transplantation of cells. Or they can also open many possibilities to study uh, basically anything that you would like to study in mammalian development, like imaging, how the tissues grow, signaling pathways, uh, lineage tracing. And uh, we show that we can also study the behavior of human cells in vivo inside an embryo. And... Uh, I think that the, the main uh, kind of uh, aim for, for us to create this platform is just to understand how how the organs naturally grow in an embryo. And then we can use this knowledge to build uh, uh, better organs on a dish. And uh, also, uh, just to conclude, another interesting possibility is uh, we can also create embryos not from not taking them from the mouse, but uh, kind of creating creating the embryos, aggregating different type of stem cells that we have in culture. And these embryos are called stem cell embryo models. And now we have a platform that allows allows you to uh, to grow natural embryos. So maybe these embryo models will also be able to grow in this uh, kind of exutero system. So the combination of the stem cell embryo models with exutero culture system uh, will be actually something very interesting to see in the future. And uh, basically, basically, that's it. I just want to thank uh, my my advisor, Jacob Hanna, and all the people who helped me in this project and you for listening to, to the presentation. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to, to answer. Thank you so much for that. That was fascinating. Incredibly interesting. And um, who wants to go first with any questions? 
Do we have someone first? Um, yeah, thank you so much, Alejandro. This is so impressive. Um, so the total that you can go up um, with this rotating, um, so to go up to E11.5, I think um, you said, right? You need this yes. rotating device. So uh, why why does it need to be in motion? Like, do you know why? Or is that just something, I don't know, was uh, yeah. done before? <laughs> no, yeah, uh, we, we think that is because uh, that, first of all, that all the diffusion of the nutrients and the oxygen, when the media is in motion, it's always uh, is uh, better. And for example, I don't think that the embryo needs to be in motion. I think that the medium is what needs to be in motion. So even kind of what I would like to do in the future is to create uh, something that in which the embryo is static, but the media is flow I th is flowing. I think I think this will also allow the embryo to to survive. I don't think it's the that the embryo needs the movement. I think it's the diffusion of the oxygen and the gases the, and the nutrients is better in the in motion. So um, I think it would be really interesting to um, ex so or are you planning or is the lab planning to basically expose the developing embryos to different stress factors, let's say uh, things related to smoking, pollutants, maybe scarcity eliminates um, a few uh, compounds for a while at different time points. I think that would be really interesting and um, great value for developmental disorders. Are you doing something like that or planning? Uh, very nice question. Yes, we for uh, our project we test actually only one component that is called valproic acid and this generated some defects in the closure of the of the neural tube. Uh, however, we never didn't test uh, any more components, and and I don't think in the lab people are planning to do it. But uh, I hope that uh, someone else will actually be able to use the system and test it. And this is what I actually would like that everyone or a lot of people to use the system and test uh, the different uh, ideas that they have. Yeah, I think I think this is uh, such a wonderful work and will create this platform where you can, in a very controlled way, like expose developmental, uh, during developmental stages, like you could just um, inc like maybe apply cortisol for stress uh, and so on. So yeah, that's very exciting. But um, yeah, please. Ethan, I think you have a question. Yeah, Go ahead. Um, Alejandro, thank you very much. It was a great um, presentation. Uh, I guess I have sort of a statement slash question in terms of like you were just talking about the solution moving around in terms of the nutrients and all of that. But I wonder also if another possibility would be uh, that due to sort of the uh, embryological development being so um, importantly reliant on chemical gradations at different development sensitive periods that perhaps mixing up the the solution you know just keeps the gradient very constant so that the cells don't get confused and start to act further than you know some 
some envelope for which they start to migrate and, and, and differentiate. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice suggestion. Um, but I will, I'm not sure if this is the case. Uh, but because in the so what we know is that the embryos that have defects in the placenta, they also die in the same moment that our embryos die. So we think that kind of all of the they so they they need so they they are reaching a point in which. First of all, when they are small, the, the oxygen and the nutrients are actually able to enter into the body very easily because of the size. And then they re and then and this is the reason why when they are small, we can keep them also in a static uh, culture. Um, but then as they, as they grow, uh, they they need to to be in this uh, in this motion, and then. After, and they eleven at day eleven they they die because now they don't have they don't have so they are too big that the oxygen is actually not able to enter into the body and they die actually very fast like in few hours they they are already already dead and this happens also in the embryos that have defects in the placenta so we this is why why we think that this is more related to the mixing and the the fact that the oxygen is able to penetrate also very nicely. And actually, something that we're doing now is, uh, in after E11, try to increase the oxygen below uh, above above 21 percent, and actually the embryos are able to survive for even longer times. So we think that it's uh, related to that, but it's also an interesting possibility. I uh, yeah. What about pH um, balancing? Uh, maybe it's more you know, a balancing of the pH than rather absolute oxygen concentration. Would there be a way to somehow stabilize the pH all over the embryo uh, without using oxygen, basically? Because oxygen also provides that, I think. Very nice uh, suggestion. So we also have... So add some buffers to balance the pH, uh, but uh, actually we never really measured it in the, what is the, the pH level in the, in the media itself and if it changes uh, over, over time, but it's actually very interesting to, to check and yeah. And can I ask actually about your, um, uh, the the uh, sorry I'm trying to look at the name here the ex utero cultural medium that you were using yeah the the stuff the twenty five percent human serum that you have mixed in with there can you tell me what is it about that part that was useful and necessary for you know to be mixed with the other two parts to make this effective. And are you thinking that um, if you keep coming up problems with development uh, using the serum, are you maybe going to like, relook at the recipe for that, the balance of that down the line? Uh, yes, it's a very interesting point. Um, so this, uh, the part of the human serum, 
It's actually for, so first we started with the human umbilical cord blood serum. Uh, and actually this is kind of the highest quality of, uh, of serum. But after we discovered that even it works with the serum that we take directly from the, any adult person. Uh, and we think that the reason why they need a human serum is, uh, is just because, uh, the, let's say the rat serum that we get, we get it from a company and maybe it's not that, that fresh. So there are some components in the kind of growth factors that are lost uh, uh, very fast in the, during the isolation of the serum. And the fact that when we take the human serum, we isolate, isolate it in the same, in the, in the same moment that we take the blood. And this actually already published, like from the people who invented the roller culture like 50 years ago, that when you take the serum for culture, you need to isolate it in the same moment. Otherwise, uh, the embryos won't be able to grow. So we think that just because of the freshness of the human serum, that is what they need, this component. Um, but it's also because of the, for us, it's also related to the price because the rat serum is extremely expensive. And the human serum, basically, you can get, uh, have it for free uh, from yourself. Uh, so it's uh, also used some, some, some reason. But uh, what we would be ideal is in the future to have a not rely on the serum, but have kind of defined uh, components of the medium. But I guess this is uh, for now extremely hard to achieve. So now we are just uh, using the uh, the serum because it's a kind of a very general component and is is works for now. So this is uh, we are trying to change. Of, also a bit the medium, but until now this combination of 25% human serum is what works better. So then right now it's more like other factors um, and you're trying to just refine the, the general recipe, but it's, it's other things rather than it won't work unless it's this component. Yeah, it's just like quality from other places and everything else you just said then, yeah? Yeah, we tried many things and that, that mm. don't work. So basically, most of the things that we try never work. <laughs> okay. And then let's do another question. I saw, I read in the paper that um, you gave extra glucose every 24 hours in addition to yes. the medium. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yes. I'm, just one, I'm just wondering, um, unless I'm misunderstanding it, please tell me if I am. Uh, why were you giving, uh, how, okay, how I'm understanding it is 24 hours go by, you put some more glucose in, another 24 hours, you put some more glucose. Why, if that's, if I'm, I'm understanding that correctly? Yes, we increased the glucose levels and this is because of the, during development, the, the, the cells grow a lot they proliferate like crazy so they need also a lot of energy and this is why we need the glucose actually if you if you don't have the glucose the, the embryos die in the day eight uh, so uh, they they always need the glucose and actually now we even think that they might need even higher levels of glucose and maybe not and only glucose maybe also other other components like pyruvate uh, also help them 
Yeah, and, 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 and that, so I, just, I was just going to just finish by asking, um, and so that's something that you have to put in at very specific intervals. You couldn't just add like the whole amount into the, the medium itself or anything and just put it all in? Do you, does it have yeah. to be given in specific bursts? No, actually now we already added into the medium and and we know that the the even the maximum level that we add is is fine to add it the, the whole time. So currently I don't change the glucose. I just add it in the medium and that's it. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was just um listening to a podcast last week by with a woman named Leah Giontaro and she does like regenerative she's trying to like um, get limb regeneration to happen in, in mammals I've done some stuff with mice and had but a lot of the things seem to be similar so they um, are pretty sure that there's a, getting limb regeneration to occur is very sensitive to like the gases and the nutrients like you were talking about. Is, did that come from you? She also said that, you know, they haven't really been focusing on the uh, amount of uh, gases, uh, but that it's, what they do know so far is that huge amount, excess amounts of nutrients is super important as well as like, so the glucose, but also they said that, uh, having uh, low oxygen levels at certain times is very important as well as having insulin and that they can actually get um, many, some of these different model organisms to start regenerating just from uh, having a lot of excess nutrients in the glucose and insulin and then sometimes playing also with the uh, levels of oxygen does that come from you know does that come from this kind of stuff in embryogenesis or did this discovered independently mm, i'm not sure i would say that it's uh, very discovered independently I don't know actually that much about the, about the regeneration, and and in mammals, uh, it's really not uh, kind of a field that I have seen a lot. Um, I, I I cannot I think I cannot comment much about that more than this. Yeah. But it, but indeed, like it's very important. Like all this uh, metabolism is I I will say that for me is the most important. A factor of of this uh, trying to find this uh, system to grow the mesutero. I think the metabolic uh, aspect is the most important. Yeah, Doctor Shagwe. So thank you, Alejandro, for sharing your fascinating paper with us. My question is about the inequality of the mitochondria because I'm not sure. Did you, did you guys just take out all of the mitochondria? I mean, before just transfer them or not? All of the cells in, still includes mitochondria. Ah no, the all this all the cells are normal. We don't modify anything of the embryo, so they have my yeah, mitochondria. They, everything is everything is normal. They are wild type embryos. And yeah, we never modify. Sure. Okay, you want to explain more? I mean, I just read it that you can complete your sentence. 
Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Mm, so just I'm trying to kind of understand the question. So you want to know if we remove the mitochondria from the cells? Yes. Uh, yeah, no, but as I said, no, 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 we, we don't remove the, the mitochondria. I think this, if we do that in uh, some, no, uh, some knockout of some mitochondrial gene, the embryos will die immediately. I don't think they are able to survive uh, that because okay. they require a lot of the, also on the TCA cycle, we know that in the late organogenesis, like after day 10, they require also a lot of this. So I don't think they, they will be able to survive. I see. So I was just wondering because you just transfer from the vitro to the another part. And I was just wondering maybe beside the experiment, you had this experiment to extract the mitochondria, or I mean, for get a better information around the quality of the mitochondria or such a thing. And also in a slide that you just explained about two clusters, which I mean about the consistent this insufficient oxygenation and nutrient supply, because we see the erythroid lineage and myocytes. Would you please explain a little bit more about uh, why you mentioned insufficient oxygenated and nutrient supply? You want to put a stress or what was the main reason? Uh, that's a nice question. So the reason is, so it's known from also from previous uh, uh, studies on culture of mouse embryos that uh, the main reason why the embryos die uh, in the late when they become very big is because they just they they cannot depend anymore in the just diffusion to for the oxygen and the nutrients to enter into the body. And this actually, uh, so we know that some of the main organs that are first affected by this uh, kind of insufficiency of uh, oxygen is are the blood cells and also the heart. And actually there was a very recent paper published like one week ago in which they analyze the metabolism of the mouse embryo and they do a knockout for the uh, some component of the of the TCA cycle and basically what they see is the same that the, the same that they that we see in our in our system that the embryos have an a, an affectation in the heart and the uh, uh, red blood cells uh, they, they also see it in in that in the in the in their in this knockout, so we th we think that is basically this is related to the fact that the embryos are already suffering because they are too big that the cells don't get enough oxygen enough nutrients. So this is why why they die and why we see the changes in the gene expression in the in the red blood cells and in the heart. That's it's basically um, metabolic. Uh, a reason and it's known that also the em embryos with problems in the placenta they will die at this is also kind of the day 11 and because of the same reasons because of the 
uh, insufficiency in the oxygen and nutrient transportation, and they will also have first problems in the heart and in the blood. And so the TCA cycle that you just mentioned, so did you find any further information from TCA cycle, for example, any inhibition, or the first part was more active or second part, and how was the ratio and production of the ATP out of the TCA? Do you have any more information to release with us? This, I don't have more information, but I can share with you the paper. I uh, there was published all last week, so maybe you can find something there. Sure, that would be wonderful. Thank you. And do we have uh, any more questions? Has anyone else got something to ask? Let's have a look. Um, okay, yeah, let's uh, Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, if nobody else has, I have uh, just more comment. It was really impressive how the throughput was for, um, uh, for how you could um, get so many cells um, with the genes of that you wanted to insert. I think that was really impressive. Um, and this will be a, another great platform uh, to use to induce or delete specific genes in a very efficient way and then see how the developmental um, output was. Um, so yeah, it's really impressive work and I assume it was a lot of work. So how long did it take to get this present, uh, to get this paper out, like, <laughs> um, yeah, how many years of work was this for you? Thank you very much for your kind words. And so, so I've been in the lab for five years and working this a lot of time. Where actually, another person was also working even before me for like one or two years. So it's like basically there for, let's say, about six years, more or less, maybe. Uh, but yeah, like it uh, takes time, but uh, this is uh, not easy to solve a question. Yeah, I just wanted to mention it because I think people see one paper of a, you know, a few pages people that are not in research, uh, just to give them how much work, how many years of work those pretty figures and that paper <laughs> is actually, like how much is behind it. And before that, you know, um, your PI and maybe you included also, uh, we're writing the grant for this for a few times. So it's it's a lot of years to get to a nice, uh, wonderful um, paper like this. So, yeah, thank you. And are you feeling that your progress with this is a, as a slow and steady progress? Or um, do you have times where you hit a wall and you're kind of stuck for a, a short time without a, a breakthrough? How does, how does it go? 
So I think that most of the times actually we don't advance. Um, so most of the time, as I said, most of the times that we try, they never work. It's rare that something that we try works. Um, so yeah, just I think just uh, well, I don't give up, and it's not that easy. I'm trying to stay in the culture as much as I want, but it's it's really hard to find uh, new ideas, what to change. You must have to be incredibly patient and persistent then, especially if you're trying loads of things and it keeps hitting the wall and you're trying to come up with new permutations, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I have to be tolerant to frustration, I think, like, because most of the time the experiments don't work. <laughs> tolerant to frustration. I like that's actually a really, really good term for that, right? Because... Because, of course, um, the next breakthrough that you make with that just brings with that a whole new um, set of uh, things to discover, right? And exploring new possibilities. Yeah, indeed. Are you uh, familiar with the movie uh, Room with a View? No. What is it about? I am not familiar with it. You can explain about it if you This is absolutely fascinating. Like, where do you see this going? Is is the goal then to try and get this to a full mouse uh, developed after the nineteen days? Is this is like your probably um, sort of longish term goal, right? To get the the mouse out of um, the womb, it's like you know, artificially uh, created, and then are you going to try with other mammals or? Which direction do you see the whole thing going to eventually? It's a very interesting point. Well, for me, the most important uh, thing of the culture is to kind of to be able to understand development. Of course, I, I would like to see the mouse uh, kind of being born from this kind of system. But I think that is still too, too far away. Uh, there are too many things that we need to uh, kind of to res to solve first, mm, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I would like at some point to do it with baby monkey, but I think we will not see these kind of things in the next I don't know, twenty years because it's yeah. I think it's very hard. <laughs> It sounds very hard. You also mentioned that the, the, the process you're describing that so far the development's not been successful enough, but at the later stages it requires like a, a uterus substitute much more. Is that right? Like in the last few days? Mm, so what what I mentioned is that in the in the early stages, like from day zero to four. Because the embryo is not implanted in the mother, so you can actually take them out. And they are not that dependent on the mother. So 
So people have done a lot of experiments uh, with the pre-implantation embryos, and then you can just put them back into another mother and they will grow. So that's, why, that's the reason why we know a lot more about pre-implantation than about post-implantation, because after the implantation, then the embryo becomes dependent on the mother. So basically, if you take them out, they will die in one one day maximum before, but now we managed to extend it for for some time, for up to six days. So let's I hope that now it will be easier to understand more development. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. So does that mean then that everything you're doing at the moment is to get it to that point and then it'll be a new uh, set of challenges when you have to give it like an artificial uterus and everything that'll be like a, a, a new stage of challenge there yeah 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 because after you we need uh, some kind of artificial placenta and then this is another another challenge it's completely different i don't think the system that we have will manage to grow an embryo until the end we need to change it oh that's interesting so you're already doing it knowing that this all going to be changed along the way and um, if that's the case then um i'm, I'm it's sounding like there'll be a, a, a very interesting plus and minus here and the plus being if you can actually have it connect to an artificial uh, uterus you will be able to actually um observe the development at that point right you know the the part that you said up until now you we, we can't um you know watch it because it's in the mother and it's connected and everything but if it's artificial then we will be able to observe that but of course the downside to that is since we don't know what's going on in there exactly we don't know how to properly make a uter uterus that could do that is that right Yes, indeed. Uh, at some point, uh, some, for example, there is one one already paper in which some people managed to grow a kind of late fetus of a lamb inside some some kind of bag and some artificial uh, circulation, and maybe at we had at some point the idea kind to combine that system with ours, but this is still too far and it's still extremely hard because the mouse embryo is very small. In the, in the, in the case of the, of the, of this ship that they did is because they, they already had a very weak fetus. So it was easier to connect to this artificial circulation. But in the case of the early embryos, it becomes a lot harder and uh, maybe also not, the same system will work, so it's a lot of uh, complications there. That must be difficult then, when you're seeing potential in other papers and you're thinking maybe there's a linking part, but of course by the time you're at that other stage, they will be at another stage too, along with perhaps others that you'll be able to cross over with, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, I don't know. Jo you said. Uh, I'm sorry. 
that I interrupt Josie. She had the question. Uh, she came up to the stage. I wanted to give her a chance before closing the room. I I came up more to just commend you on your work. I think this is a really important um, area of research, uh, understanding the development of an embryo more closely and making it so that we can look at it more closely. I yeah, it's it's just amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is absolutely incredible. I'm actually quite excited about where you're going to be able to go with this. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how you're going to solve these problems, eh? Because uh, um, it's always great excitement when you get a breakthrough. So please, please, for the sake of all of us, please keep persistent. Please keep uh, resistant to frustration. <laughs> Thank you very much for all your words. Yeah, thank you so much. I totally agree. This uh, will give us a lot of insight into developmental biology, into different developmental um, diseases, and uh, it will be an amazing platform for that. And I really appreciate you taking the time to answer our questions. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Alejandro. Ah, no, thank you for the invitation. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, and see you soon. Then. I hope, hope to see you at some point. Yeah, <laughs> come back anytime. And, uh, anytime you get a breakthrough. Yeah, or just come and join our discussions when you have time at around this time. We have a few uh, rooms that we have in our, like in my <laughs> early morning uh, lunchtime. This is for me lunchtime. So, yeah, I hope you find interest in what we do here. And, uh, yeah, and please come back with any updates or just we can just have, I think, another room about this. Um, so uh, we can we can keep talking. Um, so, yeah, and everyone, thank you for asking questions. Join the Science Society and we will have more rooms like this with guest invited speakers then um yeah and uh, i'm sorry i'm in the car in new york city right now because i had to i had to leave uh, so sorry for the background noise and um yeah i'm looking forward to hearing you and alejandro thank you again this is such an amazing work congratulations thank you very very thank much bye. okay bye everyone three two one bye everyone bye.